0: making sense of um, podcast. Um, My name is Bob. I'm from Foundation for Change. I'm joined by Tonya, Bex, Liz and Heather. Do you want to say hello? Hello. Hello. Hiya. Hello again. Um, Katie, I think is like sunning herself on the Isle of Wight or somewhere. So um, Katie's not with us today. Um, So in this week's episode, we're looking at something that again was one of these ideas that was talked about by people in the seminars and it's about authenticity and before I kind of talk about that in terms of kind of why we're doing it I guess what frames this conversation is that it's really fair to say that actually COVID-19 has really drastically changed the world and changed how we live our lives and quite often like when people experience, whether it's individually or whether it's kind of as a society or in this case as a globe in a lot of ways, when people experience really unexpected and extreme events, especially those that can kind of bring us face-to-face with the fragility of our life and our mortality, they're usually the things that kind of grab us by the shoulders and have the potential to actually like shake us awake and wake us up to, um, wake us up from this idea of like, sleepwalking through life i guess it's kind of fair to say that a lot of people just kind of like are born and they die and they spend most of their life kind of sleepwalking to and not really thinking about um the bigger questions as they go through their lives and sometimes it takes something really serious to wake people up um and to get people thinking about what's important and what matters in this kind of very short window of life that we have on earth um Yeah, and I think that COVID has, particularly kind of in lots of different ways, like it's, there's this feeling of the pause button being pressed, Is how I always think about it. I feel like, you know, there's this massive button that's literally just been kind of pressed since March. Um, And that's really given people, a lot of people, the chance to step back and reflect and a bit of a different um, chance to maybe kind of wake up and see the world with different eyes. And actually, in a way, it's not unlike the feeling of going into recovery. And kind of like learning about yourself and being given the chance to look at your life in a way that you may never have done before. Um, so I guess what I'm saying in all of this is that, yeah, like situations like this, you know, for some people, it's like might be an overdose or something or some kind of like brush with death. I know for me, quite a few years back, I had quite a serious car accident in which I could have very easily been paralyzed or killed. You know, it's, sometimes there's things like that that make us think about the big questions they make us think about like what's my purpose in life what's important to me and i guess one question particularly is who am i am i living my life in a way that is true to me and so that is what authenticity is about and of course we're going to be talking about that in more detail but um yeah this podcast is very much around what what is authenticity and what it what does it mean to live an authentic life and I guess, like, a good way to start this is by saying that we hear this word a lot. You know, we might hear about, like, some new restaurant that's open that offers, like, authentic Chinese cuisine or, you know, things like that. And I guess, like, when it comes to people, I imagine all of us here have some sense of what the word means. And I wanted to just, like, ask people, what, what does it mean to you? What, what does authenticity mean to you individually?
1: Um, for me, um, I think authenticity is um being able to have boundaries being able to say no and feel comfortable with saying no and knowing why because i know if if i don't don't want to do something but people pleasing i think for me being authentic for myself has had me i have to lay boundaries down and know why i'm laying these boundaries and that helps me to to be authentic with myself and feel a bit in line with myself as well, instead of doing something that I'm I know I'm not comfortable with, maybe, but just going along with it.
0: Okay, so you so you're able to kind of like live with yourself more by knowing where your boundaries lie, and kind of yeah. putting, it, putting a stop to stuff that's going to maybe make you feel uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, and it can be really difficult just doing that boundary because sometimes you feel like you're cutting yourself off when you're doing a boundary but it's actually going to benefit you but it takes time sort of for that maybe to realize Mm -hmm. that makes sense
2: yeah and i you know following on from what tonya's saying because boundaries is yeah something which i think is quite important or what i understand authenticity to be as well but it's like is your inner self reflective of your outer self so um You know, we can, inner self being kind of like your your values, your beliefs, your emotions, kind of all that stuff that makes you, you. And um, authenticity to me is is that reflected on the outside, your personality, how you speak to people, how your body language, um, you know, like what Tonya was saying, people pleasing, um, the kind of like ability to like placate situations. Um, if they make you feel uncomfortable um, and that might not necessarily be kind of like authentically what you're kind of feeling on the inside.
0: Mhm. It's like a match between inside and outside.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like, you know, I think yeah, it's on the inside you could be feeling really sad depressed i don't know name it and then on the outside you put on um i'm all right persona yeah everything's fine it's great um and that's being inauthentic Mm -hmm.
3: i guess i would say something about like feeling that you're able to sit with yourself that you're true to yourself in a way that like you're not doing stuff that you're not doing stuff that you're you might have ideas about what you would and wouldn't do when you grow up and then you end up kind of doing them you give yourself a hard time for doing them um how did I get here and all that I mean doing stuff like just being kind of true to yourself and your own moral code I guess so you can sit with yourself and not kind of have issues that you can beat yourself up about with so sense. the
0: issues you'd be beating yourself up with would be things you've done which don't fit in with what you really believe?
4: Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I think for me it's, um, I, it, it changes a lot. It's not a kind of a state that you arrive at, but it, it describes a relationship with myself that's very immediate and I know exactly what my, respon- my, my feelings about things are and what my responses are um without being kind of swayed or mediated or kind of um influenced by others or other other thoughts other people's kind of thoughts i mean in a way it's quite selfish why this what how i understand it's quite a sort of selfish state of being really connected to uh actual self and what what your responses are and then of course that
0: changes Yeah, I mean, it's a funny thing. So I think, you know, uh, authenticity is a very Western concept. And I I guess one of the questions is like, where is the line between kind of like being true to yourself and being an authentic human being and living your best life and kind of narcissism? (laughs) And, and, And what I mean by that is kind of like putting your needs before anyone else's because, you know, we're quite often socialized and conditioned to believe in the West, particularly like that, you know, you're an individual, you have freedom, you know, live your best life be your truest self like there's memes for that you know there's there's, there's tons of stuff that says that so where is that line
2: I think it's quite, yeah, I think there's a massive difference between narcissism and the ability to, um, yeah, connect with kind of like, I suppose what Liz was saying, knowing what your responses are and being able to kind of like respond or think or do things that are, you know, authentic to you. It's kind of like comes from the place that, you know, is that sort of gut that is you. And um, I don't know if I wouldn't say that's immediately selfish. I think that's just kind of like knowing yourself. Um, and I think narcissism is the point where it's just self-obsession so it's the only thing you can think on or reflect on is yourself but um, you know I think if you're on the other end of somebody who um, is kind of like responding from their own kind of you know gut that has impact because you know that they're being authentic you know that they have something to say which is individual and unique to that person um which consequently kind of makes you trust people more i think mm, i think i mean you know to me narcissism is is
4: delusional you know whereas to me authenticity is quite an accurate description of a, a series an event or a an exchange between people it kind of it it's almost dispassionate it just sort of an auth, to, to me authenticity kind of sees stuff very clearly whereas narcissism to me is a kind of very uh distorted sense
0: yeah I mean I guess like narcissism is the kind of extreme end of the spectrum and I guess what I was trying to kind of get across and and maybe talk about is like balancing the importance of like our needs kind of over others you know because I think that you know like I said you know we can kind of be condition to think that we need to be able to be true to ourselves all the time. And I think for me personally, like the distinction is that you are listening to the needs of yourself, but you're not forgetting about the needs of others. Do you know what I mean? They don't take it's not about you, I need to get this off my chest because it makes me feel better for having it said. Like I think there's an element of just like it being true to yourself in a way that still respects the other and still has empathy to the other and still has compassion and, and the complete end of that kind of spectrum is the narcissist
4: or just a way that doesn't um recognize otherness, the other person you know i was talking i was just thinking that this idea of authenticity kind of was very um fashionable in the late 50s and early 60s and people would kind of you know, denounce their comfortable background and go, I'm going to become a jazz trumpeter in, you know, Notting Hill Gate. So off you, this is the time when Notting Hill Gate was one of the biggest slums in uh, England. So it'd be like, I'm going to go and live a jazz life in Notting Hill Gate and you can all get stuffed, you know, mum and dad. I, you know, I denounce your values of whatever. And in a way, that was a kind of very kind of you know, it's become, I mean, you tell it's become a bit of a joke almost about people being authentic and actually being really hurtful to other people. So I think it's, you know, yeah, it's always lurks at the kind of heart of this idea of authenticity is, is respecting others. It's really, really Mm -hmm. difficult. I think, you know, you've nailed it. I mean, that's the issue always. Yeah. I know you're going to talk about blocks later, so I will not say a lot more.
0: Yeah, but I think it's just worth kind of teasing it out right from the start. And I think the other thing to really quickly say, and you can kind of go to town on this, like Googling if anyone's interested, but I think something else to say is that there is a very, you know, it is a very kind of Western concept. It's something that's been talked about by Western philosophers since the Greek times. And, you know, in the West, we're much more kind of individually focused as, uh, as, as societies, whereas in the West, the needs of the individual are overridden by the needs of the group
2: so so in so what you're saying yeah west very individual but actually um are you saying in the east for example it's more collective so it's it's about kind of community and which is interesting because community is really kind of taking off at the moment um in a big way with with mutual way which kind of also um Kind of is a good example of what you were sort of saying at the begin uh, beginning. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And also, oh, yeah.
0: sorry, gone.
2: Well, I mean, it's also that idea that yeah, you can care about yourself, but you know, it's also being aware of other people's needs as well.
0: Yeah, and I think like anything, there's a balance. I mean, I think like a really good distinction is this kind of me we kind of thing. And I think actually, yeah, with like mutual aid, I think it's really great, or, or any yeah, of the kind of community stuff that's kind of happening even before COVID, of like. I am an individual but i'm also kind of operating within a community so there is a we aspect as well as the me i think sometimes in the west we can be a little bit focused on the kind of the me and you know likewise in the east it can be a little bit too focused on the we so a really good example of this that i was going about is in japan they have this concept called wa and so wa basically means like group harmony and so the one of the biggest aims of kind of japanese social life is to like maintain the wah and i kind of just love saying it but like but basically one kind of is is harmony so within a family system for instance like if you've got strong feelings about something and you want to express something but that has the potential to disrupt the wah of the household you're basically taught to shut that down do you see what i mean so the wah is kind of more important than you expressing your needs and it's the same with kind of community like the wider community and things like that I mean the downside is you know shit's going to come out sideways (laughs) um but um but yeah it's just kind of I I always find it really interesting to look at kind of like both ends of spectrums and then just think about what what is that middle ground and what could that middle ground look like
3: Mm.
0: yeah um yeah I was going to just kind of add my two cents I think for me like authenticity is something that i didn't hear about until i started doing this work and even then it was kind of maybe a few years after that that the word kind of started to come up within this kind of context like i'd heard about like authentic chinese food and stuff but like i think within this context i've never really heard about it before and i guess the way that i think about it now for myself is that what is going on in my heart and my stomach or my gut lines up with what's going on in my head and my thoughts, and that kind of lines up with my words and my actions and my behavior. So I kind of see that there's an alignment of those things, and when those things align, I'm being authentic. And I just wanted to kind of pick up on a point that Liz said, and this might be something that we'd say earlier, but I think it's really worth saying now, that authenticity to me is a process. It's not not a state it's not like a destination to arrive to. It's not some kind of something to achieve, some kind of box tick, because I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of just kind of like suddenly getting some stick to really beat yourself up with because you're not being authentic enough. And it's actually like, it's a constant process of kind of like learning about who you are, you know, learning about kind of like what authenticity means and how it feels. Um, and also recognising, like, it's really normal for it to be very easy to be authentic in some situations and really fucking hard to be authentic in other situations.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you were saying about how it changes, because thinking about kind of when I was younger to how I am now, as I've kind of grown up, um, th- those things have changed a lot. Oh. In, you know, my moral kind of compass and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has changed a lot from from being a teenage, angry teenager to, you know, being a middle aged lady. Yeah, well. And not
4: just as you were about to speak um Heather I'm not allowed to get you of course but um it just made me think about you know like teenagers have become goths and go this is the real me there's a bit of a goth theme running in our team so I'm sure you know being kind of 14 and going this is it you know this is who I am and I think that that's kind of you know the the, the changingness of it is um you know, really relevant and important. And it's like, I remember kind of several years ago, um, being on a bus in Islington and just, it was driving past... um, I don't know, whatever the venue is in that shopping centre in Islington. And um, the, there must have been like a punk band playing. And there are all these punks that were probably, probably about fift- in their 50s or 60s, but sort of still with mohawks. And it looked really weird because it's like a frozen moment of authenticity that kind of hasn't changed. So you just get these kind of 60-year-old goths or punks or something. And I think it's really kind of odd because it it, it it's some frozen moment. So I think yeah not, not you know it is very important to this to embrace this idea that authentic self changes over time yeah 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 now you're just an authentically middle-aged woman <laughs> authentic- <laughs> authentically <laughs> menopausal yes
0: i was gonna say like with the, with the punk thing you know because you kind of see like I still in camden so you still see the kind of like the you know the old punks and stuff like that And it is kind of weird because it is this kind of snapshot but i guess you know, they are still being authentic to how they feel, and you know, a really big part of that is like they've got the courage to like be living that life.
4: Oh yeah,
0: do you know what I mean? Kind of...
4: sounds so snitty. Yeah, I mean, it is like, and well, it represents really, it represents a value, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, and it's a bit of a, like a shorthand, and it kind of that value goes. This is what I believe in. I don't believe in your world of you know two point five kids or you know whatever. Right. I am going to, I'm going to hold on to this value because it's really important to me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, this is all about identity and authenticity
2: and yeah. Just being inclusive
0: to punks and stuff, you know.
2: Yeah, old punks.
3: Aging punks.
2: Yeah and it is something like authenticity is really linked to critical thinking as well because yeah this goth thing does really run in our team and uh you know i still have those feelings when um i was yes 14 and became goth and um i started to question my kind of reality politics um started to read you know um you know, I was really had an inquiring mind. Um, And that is still true, though I'm no longer a goth. I no longer have to have the facade. But um, yeah, I feel like critical thinking and authenticity is is really important because um, if you just carry on accepting your beliefs and values as they are, um, and and you're not examining kind of like that aspect of, of yourself and like what's important to you and all of that, then, you know, are you ever authentic? Do you ever have the chance to sort of exist? Like,
0: completely, yeah. Are you still a goth on the inside? Oh, fuck yeah, hell <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
3: Totally still a goth, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a goth, but listening to this conversation, I remember when I was like sort of 13, I, I was a big Madonna fan and I, started dressing like madonna i ripped the foots off the tights and used to put my hair up and put all big things in my hair i used to now looking at it when i was listening to this conversation i think actually that was probably me finding a piece of authenticity because she was a strong woman and i loved her and i wanted to be her and i wanted to sort of I used to just have a big picture of her and just you know but now when I think about how I used to dress it was quite funny you know but that was back in the 80s sort of style Madonna you know rips loads of colourful necklaces massive earrings you know I still I still sort of kind of dress like that a little bit now but a bit toned down you know but I think that that might have been a, an authenticity cry for help within me of be a strong woman. Maybe I don't know, but well,
0: there's a couple of things that are important here. I'm not kind of jumping the gun too much, and I wanted to kind of jump on the Madonna wagon. So, like, I was ridiculously huge, obsessed fan. Um, I'm not anymore, I have to say. But like, she represented something really important to me because I was this little gay kid growing up in this Indian neighborhood, and here was this woman who was dressing how she wanted to dress, talked about sex was being herself, like talked about, like express yourself and all that stuff. Mm. And she, she, this sounds really geeky, she, she was just like a fucking battery. She was like this kind of like power source that really gave me this courage to be myself and to stand out and to be different. And when I was a, you know, particularly kind of 15, 16, 17, 18, before I left home, like I was such a like gobby strong personality like freaky looking kid dying the hair in lots of different colors like blah 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 and what and i told the story the other day in the seminar because it's relevant to critical thinking but when i went to university like i mean it's kind of it's a bit of a longer story but like a load of shit kind of happened that just knocks all of that kind of stuff out of me and i remember kind of like coming out and kind of like living abroad and stuff for a couple of years because i was trying to kind of work stuff out and coming back and It was almost a bit like I'd start from scratch. Like I'd lost touch with that person. I'd lost touch with that authenticity that came so naturally when I was younger. And I had to rediscover like who who was I? Because I felt like I was someone who constantly people pleased. I was terrified of rejection. I just said what everyone thought I wanted to hear. What I thought everyone wanted to hear. And it was just like this kind of real journey of, you know, doing this work and kind of doing the psychology and effectively doing kind of psychology for change like kind of 70 times um that I started to work out like okay what is my moral code what do I and I'm still working it out but kind of wanted to say something about yeah like there was this kind of interesting like dip where I lost something and I kind of had to really make an effort to regain it I
1: think um I'm sorry yeah I was just gonna say for me, that sort of links into the COVID sort of, you know, pause button for, for, me, for me personally, because it's, it does make you sort of reflect more so. And what is, what, what is, it makes, it throws more questions up for me on the pause, I think, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess kind of connected to, I guess, what I was saying, what kind of Tony was saying, like just again, generally for people like, I feel like I'm kind of asking a very obvious question, but is it important for you all? To be authentic, and and like to think about authenticity in your lives,
3: I I feel like it's really important. I feel like it's like my anchor to re- reality or real life that I want. I yeah. I just think I think it's really important, and I expect it from other people as well. So that can be a bit of an issue. But I guess from coming from a place where I've you know I've done stuff in my life that I never ever said I would do, and and so and not be true to myself, and so and that made me feel like awful about myself, and carried on like the the bad kind of like things that how bad the things that I was doing for to coping with you know stuff that happened, and now that I don't do that and now I don't have those kind of coping mechanisms being authentic with myself is is even more important i find like yeah
2: it's a,
0: yeah
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah really well said heather um it's really interesting because i don't really think about the word authenticity too much but um i do feel that actually kind of like um it's important to be able to be kind of real like like what I think I was saying before it's really important to kind of like these feelings that who you are on the inside you project that kind of like on the outside the two match up they they don't kind of contrast um and I you know obviously you know I've got to speak from personal experience those two things have jarred quite a lot and so sometimes yeah kind of like now more than ever I feel it's really important to be able to... It's like Heather said, it's like an anchor. It's like an anchor. It's something that, you know, can keep you tethered. Um, because then otherwise, who kind of like, who are you?
0: Yeah, and I guess that's kind of what I was trying to get at. It's like, why do it? Why is it important?
4: all, you know, I know <clears throat> for my own self, and I, I, I think it's, it's fair to say, I think most of us here and quite a lot of people listening will know that when you're not authentic it's really painful. You might have not named it as that but you know sure as hell I think people have had that experience of of being in relationships, of doing things, of doing work or something that you know they just did not feel represented them. is just a pretty intolerable place to to be actually you can't really sustain it very long um you know i've been in relationships where i've tried to convince myself that it was really what the thing i wanted kind of all the time kind of knowing it wasn't and you know it just that makes for a deep unhappiness i think i think one of the issues is to understand that you know that that experience of unhappiness is quite I, i think probably quite common that that sort of sense of being alone even when you're with somebody and wondering what's wrong or feet being with friends and feeling like you you don't connect you know that is a, that is a moment of inauthenticity but a bit like beck said it you it it's being quick enough to kind of connect what's going on with you to this idea of authenticity um, because i think it's easy to just slip into like i'm just miserable that's it you know sad um Sad might kind of be the easiest way to describe it, but actually, what you're describing is a moment of inauthenticity.
0: Mm. I think it's really sad because I think, like a lot of the time, like in the in the handout, I talk about um Karen Horny. She's back, um but uh <laughs> we, um you know, she talks about we do a whole program on Karen Horny. I yeah, really know, did. Yeah. I, think I think we should do like <laughs> really kind of, interesting, I
4: mean, like, and we can play Horny Horny on again, yeah. but we can. <laughs> But uh, definitely, I mean, in all seriousness, she's really sorry to if, uh, yeah. interrupt, just stream of thought. But I think she's a really yeah. interesting woman, and I was kind of really gripped by kind of you know learning more about her. So yeah, yeah, like of, uh, who
0: she is, the time she lived, how yeah. she worked. What she's and saying what is really
4: relevant left. for now, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I interrupted. That's okay.
0: I was going to say that Miss uh, that Karen Horney talks about this idea of the kind of the true self and the false self. And this kind of, kind of idea of like, when we're growing up, you know, we're so bombarded with the messages from like family and culture and gender and all that kind of stuff that we, in a way, kind of have to play to the role of the messages that we're kind of fed. So um, we develop a self, which kind of like means we can fit in, but quite often isn't in line with our kind of true self. And we don't know that. Because that's just kind of you know that's how conditioning works. It's just a very kind of unconscious thing. Um, and someone else, I don't think it was Karen Hawley, described it as character armor, and I really like that as a kind of visual. Just like you know, we have to quite often put on this kind of armor to be able to fit into the world. And the problem is that the more kind of armor you put on, the and the longer you continue to do that, the kind of more divorced you get from your true self. Yeah, and and I kind of think actually, I mean, kind of looking at this interview with Trump the other day, like, you know, the more you also get divorced from reality. But, um, but I just think that it's quite sad sometimes where people can live very inauthentic lives, but in a way that they don't know they're doing it because it's just been going on for so long. And then it just becomes very normalized. And this is really connected to cognitive dissonance in the podcast we did um, a few weeks back, because I think that, you know, cognitive dissonance is the thing you experience when you're being inauthentic it's the feeling that like something's out of whack and we have a choice in that moment to kind of like do something which kind of accords with our value system or we shut it down in other ways and if you spend a kind of a lifetime or many many years like shutting down the response just to avoid taking responsibility or to kind of fit in or whatever like you you you've kind of lose touch with who you are so I, re- yeah. Yeah, no, definitely
2: um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting take on that. And like, you know, I do want to sort of bring it back to sort of recovery again. And we're um, going through that kind of like period where you, you stop using substances and you know, there's that epic void. Um, and what you build up in that sort of time is to uh, sort of have identify what those bits of armors are and actually have an awareness of it so you can still have that armor it can still be there and it comes on and off as and when you sort of need it Mm -hmm. but you you sort of know why you have it on
0: totally and the reason for it Liz and I used to talk about it and I don't know if we just made it up or if it's an actual term but we would always kind of talk about this idea of like authentic inauthenticity Mm. So this idea that sometimes you're in situations where you have to be inauthentic yeah like to be your true self just doesn't work it might be a kind of like I don't know family kind of like gathering and you know there's loads of people there that you think are kind of dicks but you have to smile and you don't want to kind of cause a scene but I think there's a real difference between playing a role and not kind of being, being aware that you're doing it and knowing you're playing a role like, he, like I really said, I like, like what you said, like actually kind of being very conscious of like, this is the armor I'm going to put on. Fucking know that I'm wearing it. I'm going to be able to take it off. I really look forward to that moment. But for now it's on.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And it can be the case that you wear that armor for so long or put those masks on for so long that you become to believe that that's, that's your true reality. And you you know, you, you don't even, you know, you end up lying to yourself. Yeah. Having to challenge those realities
0: yeah and that's the problem because i think it just gets really normalized
3: i think i mean that's that's where
4: sort of psychology and learning about psychology comes in doesn't it because it it shows another perspective on what you think is just your experience or you know well that's just how it is because if you're say for instance you're kind of um you grow you're in an abusive relationship that just you adapt to that relationship where you that you just think well that's what relationships are Um, and there's no you know it's really difficult to to stand outside of that experience because how are you going to do it you're only going to know your own experience and you know encountering kind of idea theory not in a kind of you know complicated alienating way but just like having somebody explain theories of human behavior creates that little moment of being to step out of your experience and go, ah, right, okay, I get this now. This isn't this isn't right or this isn't, you know, normal. You know, this is this is this this explains something in a way that I didn't have the words for. Yeah. yeah One
0: true. of the things that I really, really love about psychology is that, you know, in a way it kind of forces you to become meta or kind of asks you to become meta. And if you don't know what I mean by that, so it's kind of like just going beyond this place of like, I guess, emotion or judgment. You know, it's almost like you're quite analytical. It's like you're looking at your your life with a magnifying glass and you're kind of quite curious about what you're finding. And you're not judging it. You're just examining it. And I think there's just really something important about, you know, what we're saying here in other podcasts that, you look at this character armor that you've been wearing, you look at the times where you've been your false self, but rather than beating yourself up or being critical about the fact that you've done that, like questioning, like, you know, being aware of like, what purpose did that serve? Because most of the time it's a survival strategy. You wearing the armor, I mean, think about the word itself, like the armor is protecting you. So it's a bit like it served a purpose. Do you know what I mean? and and then once you kind of like understand that, i think it's just it's a much more compassionate way of kind of this process of you know becoming authentic you know stage 1 is like you know recognizing that you've been wearing particular armor but the question is not like why was that armor there to me the question is always like what didn't happen in your life that kind of forced you to put on this armor
2: yeah and you know that that's exactly what liz says is like understanding like if somebody explains it to you really simply these sort of kind of like yeah psychological models but you know it was like i've had lots of cbt i did a big course in cbt course i had it done to me so i went to for cbt counseling um Oh bloody twelve weeks of it or something. I was pretty much long. I still didn't really know what what the fuck was being done to me. Um, so I came away feeling uh, not much better. But then, yeah, I um on, on psychology for change, um, which is um our course which just sort of breaks down lots of psychological models. Um, yeah. We looked at CBT and there was something about core beliefs, which really stood out to me. Um, And I think it's kind of like understanding what your core beliefs are. And they're always really bleak. They're things like, I don't exist. Um, You know, I'm bad. I'm defective. Um, And I think, you know, that's a really good starting point to understand what sort of pieces of armour you put on. Mm -hmm. So if you don't exist, you make yourself invisible. And you use certain bits of armour to do that. So I think you're right. Like, you know, it really is um, a, a blessing kind of like understanding these, the principles that um, are behind therapies which are, are usually done to us. So instead of kind of like, you know, having kind of like an intensive therapy which has its place, um, it can help you really piece together the sort of puzzle which makes you kind of like, who you are if you know what i mean
0: yeah i was good just sorry someone else is going to jump in i want to say really really quickly on that point because i think it's really relevant about um you know childhood and kind of like what was before like what was missing from your upbringing that kind of like led to you putting on that armor so in schema therapy there's this list of like five kind of core emotional needs that like every child needs and if they don't get met they lead to kind of different variations of the schemas you know these kind of different core beliefs and these different problematic ways of being in the world and one of them is about expressing your emotions so kind of like connecting that to authenticity if you grew up in a household where your parents didn't let you be this little kid that you wanted to be maybe you're a girl that wanted to play with boys toys or vice versa or you know, you wanted to, you're to. a little boy that wanted to kind of like dance and your dad shut that down because of, you know, him thinking you're going to grow up to be a gay, or whatever. Like, there's this kind of like stemming of, you know, authenticity. If you look at kids, kids are pretty much, unless they're kind of heavily traumatized, very authentic, very expressive. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and we kind of like learn to shut that down again as an adaptive response just to make sure we survive. You know, there are kind of kids, you know, parents who are kind of very allowing and create this wonderful space for a child to be whoever they are will grow up to be kind of very authentic individuals.
4: The psychologist Winnicott says a lot uh, a lot more about this, doesn't he? He says that not only should children be allowed to be who they are, but they should be allowed to be awful and destructive. I think that's really difficult for parents. So, you know, it's like, come on, you know, kind of, come on, Mary, um, be nice. Um, so, so Winnicott kind of goes that children need to go through this period where they are just assholes. And and they need to be know know that they're loved, and you know they're also they're not. What I think he calls it omnipotent, because children just uh, you know in terms of developmental development, developmental stage, kind of go through a stage where they believe they are like masters of the universe, and they they can destroy and murder their parents. Right? They're like, oh yeah, I have, I have all the power, Um, like Donald Trump is stuck in, and. um like sort of Winnicott goes that actually a child needs to go through that stage and and be understood and held um to realize that they're not that yeah and there's a really famous kind of example whereby he was um he was the analyst of sort of you know man in his 30s or whatever and this this guy in his 30s came to see Winnicott and this guy was just You know, really distraught one day, and broke this really precious vase um, that Winnicott had. That was a really, really important vase that some, you know, somebody given to him. But Winnicott needed to forgive him and just go. That's all right. You know, I'm not going to be shouting at you Uh, (laughs) because, look, that that man needed to go to that bit where he, you know, he kind of broke the vase and it was all right. Um, But he needs to understand what happened. So I think, yeah, this is really fascinating stuff
0: yeah yeah yeah, so just like um, we start to touch on this but I guess I, I think it'd be worth looking at like what you know what gets in the way like I think to me when I think about authenticity when I'm in those moments of being authentic it feels very like try, I'm trying to think of the word there's an ease to it yeah and I kind of contrast that to the feeling when I'm being inauthentic where there is a kind of a dis-ease yeah um but saying that it's just like sometimes being authentic is hard it takes courage it takes kind of like knowing what you stand for it takes your kind of like you know understanding your kind of moral compass and things like that but just kind of for you all like what gets in the way what do you personally find hard about being authentic or when what kind of situations
3: going back to when you were talking about like having these masks or the armor i guess being getting vulnerable you know because you've got these kind of like fear um that you're going on about emotions like showing your true emotions so kind of go through life when you're not you know not showing those emotions not showing honestly your emotions to people and having to kind of like Sometimes those masks, they don't serve you anymore and cause a barrier between you and, like, everyone else. Um, and having to be, like, honest with your emotions and be really And that's, you know, really, really vulnerable because you're, you know, telling people how you, you feel and that can be used against you, you know.
0: The thing you don't see on a podcast is lots of heads nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the sake of our listeners. <laughs>
2: I think sometimes being out of my comfort zone makes me kind of put, yeah completely inauthentic because um oh it's a bit of a difficult one I'm like, I might need time to think about this you've thrown a curveball um at at me bob because um I think there's actually probably quite a few times that but I think it's being out of my comfort zone being um and that can be you know anything really it could be with a a new group of people I don't know so well I just will use humour I will just kind of be loud and use humour you know anything to kind of like not be able to connect with people um on that kind of oh god another word for authentic please but on that authentic level um new situations like starting something new like maybe a job or something and it's unfamiliar um yeah basically it just throws me into a state of kind of Yeah, I don't know. Not being able to just kind of, yeah, the feeling on the inside connecting with what I'm doing on the outside, if that makes any sense. I need to muse on this one longer. I think you should muse. Yeah.
3: Can I just add something else? I I mean, mental health is a massive thing of getting in the way because, you know, if you're like depressed or or anxious, your way of communicating and your beliefs in yourself um you you know they can be quite twisted and negative and you know your your way of believing in yourself and what you have to say can get in a way of, of being an authentic you, you kind of like don't have the strength or the belief in yourself to be your authentic self
0: i was going to say a massive yeah self-esteem
3: yeah, right, that's exactly
1: what I was going to say. For right. me, my block, self-esteem and maybe um, shame as well can stand in a way, but, and it's belief in yourself, in myself sort of thing. Mm. So that will sort of play a
0: big role. I always think of it like a bit of a process, like, you know, there's this idea of first like understanding that you want to kind of connect to your true self or whatever you want to call that, and then there's a stage of kind of like starting to work out what that is, you know, what's important to you, what your beliefs are, what's important, what you stand for. Like that's the kind of the more compass bit. That's when you know that you're able to kind of like, um, this bit's kind of maybe, I don't know which step comes first. You know, that's connected to what you were saying, Tonya, about kind of putting boundaries down. You can only put boundaries down where you know where the lines are drawn in your life. But I think it's a huge, huge thing after that of just like, A, believing that your needs are worth meeting. If you don't believe that they're worth meeting, then you're not going to express them. And B, kind of like having the courage to express them, having the courage, not even to express them, having the courage to look internally at stuff that is difficult to look at. Because that's the other thing with authenticity and looking at your character masks. You're going to see a load of shit that's horrible to see. And there's a resilience and strength that's needed to kind of take you through that.
3: So, you know, there's also a class, your class and and your sex as well. It's like, you know, self-reflection doesn't come naturally or we're told, you know, one sex does it better than another sex or like as a class thing, you know, there's not much time for self-reflection when you're kind of worried about feeding your kids.
4: Yeah, I was just I was going to just about to say money is often a, a kind of real kind of barrier for people mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they, they are doing something they might not really want to do, but they're, they're there having to do it for very practical reasons, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
1: I was just going to say, um, when I was a cleaner, I was very inauthentic about myself because whenever anyone asked me what I'd done, I would used to skirt around the question because I was embarrassed to say that I was a cleaner. But that was just a very being very inauthentic with myself because I wasn't in, I wasn't ashamed to be a cleaner. I was a really good cleaner, and I really I found it really therapeutic to clean. But I was embarrassed to tell people that I'm a cleaner. It was a, and very and I felt I had a feeling always this feeling it was being an inauthentic feeling because I couldn't just say I'm a cleaner.
0: So, this thing about it being really kind of situationally based. Like, amongst some people, you're going to be absolutely fine saying that. And if you're around kind of like a bunch of other people who have all got, like, you know, high-powered jobs or whatever, it's just like the class is different.
1: I think as well, for me, personally, it was it was an inner thing. It, it didn't sit right with me, maybe, because it didn't matter who I would tell. I was embarrassed. It was, yeah, so I don't know where what that is or where that sort of come from. That might have been... That I thought that I could do better. Maybe I don't. I don't really know. But it was. I'd be embarrassed to tell the neighbour I was a cleaner. But this so is that, really. You
4: know. This is really interesting because it's how, how easy it is to kind of adopt, the judgments of the world and others. You know, it's really hard to sort of, maintain authenticity when there are there are these judgments about what cleaners do or you know like how valuable that role is that 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 we are situated in you know couldn't Mm. use the word there Bob it's like you know we're constantly in a world that's telling us stuff and it's really hard to disentangle
0: from that. I think also I mean I think maybe Heather, you just kind of nailed it as well like it's the vulnerability thing you know, it's the kind of like the authenticity to, to say something and be real and be vulnerable. And remember that we live in a society that doesn't reward that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't reward kind of showing your cracks. It doesn't reward weaknesses. And the irony is that like in friendships or relationships, like I've been in so many situations where like the times when I do reveal those things are the times where I get such a different positive response because I'm not running around kind of pretending that I'm Superman and everything's fine. Yeah, definitely. So it's such a paradox.
1: Um. Yeah. I watched um, a Ted talk and there was a bit in it that said authenticity is beyond honesty it is willing to become vulnerable. And I really, like, I sort of, I really like that because it is, it's beyond an honesty because you, you might just be saying something to yourself that actually isn't authentic. So it goes a little bit beyond that. And I really sort of like that, and it is becoming vulnerable.
0: Because I guess I'm just trying to think through the situation. Like, if you were with a bunch of people who would, like, say, just kind of, like, middle-class folk, and you just happen to be at some kind of summer barbecue or something, and um, the cleaner thing came up, like, how would it be for you to be able to kind of respond and just be a bit like, yeah, I'm cleaner, like, it's not something that I want to do, I'm doing it just what I need to do to bloody put food on the table and you know just it's just interesting like how kind of interactions with people work because in a way you're kind of you're, you're you're um breaking the kind of tradition of being vulnerable in a social situation
1: yeah
0: I just want know what that would be like I'm just kind of probably <laughs> land like a lead balloon people would be like oh, oh no. that's nice. I, I think
4: you get a load of inauthenticity back like who yeah. oh, are you that's marvelous that kind yeah. of really yeah, condescending yeah. kind of like oh that's so admirable but you know that beneath beneath that there's this absolute contempt that it's just you know disguised by condescension
2: yeah
3: oh god <laughs> i guess yeah worried about being judged isn't it and people will judge you because there's certain things that are acceptable and not acceptable yeah. you know, as good jobs and ways to earn a living yeah and minimum Oops. wage jobs aren't
4: aren't good jobs, are they? <laughs> in lockdown, there was all this idea of kind of key workers, wasn't there? I
3: was just thinking that. that was you
4: suddenly know? like people who worked in shops and, and did the rubbish, and you know, um, not only kind of NHS staff, but you know, just like people who were just carrying on very. Most men. yeah. postmen men and women. Yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. I nearly <laughs> said just post
0: men. Post people.
1: Post people,
0: that's it. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think like what other blocks I experienced, or wondering what other blocks other people experience to being authentic. Because it feels like, in a way, all of us have, you know, we, we know what it is, recognize the importance of it, we want to live lives which are authentic. So, in a way, we're kind of committing to living an authentic life. You know, how do we continue
4: that? Sometimes I think it's energy. You know, it's like it takes a load of fucking energy to be authentic. And sometimes I just think, oh, I can't be asked. Mm. Um, and I don't think there's some kind of massive um, kind of, or well, maybe there is some kind of, you know, core of fear or something. But honestly, there are occasions, um, not all, but there are occasions where I choose not to be authentic because I really cannot be bothered. Um, sort of expending the energy in that situation mm. you know family is quite a good example it's like I used to spend you know a lot of my 20s being really authentic and pissing everybody off and uh, upsetting everybody and a bit like you said earlier Bob it's like this you know idea of like inauthentic you know authentic, authenticity um, or inauthentic auth- uh, authentic, authentic, in-
0: authentic inauthentic yeah <laughs>
4: Whatever it is, um, we do, do, but it is like you know. Sometimes it's a bit of a, a, a judgment call. Like there'll be, I'll just be like, do you know what, it ain't worth it. It's not worth the energy on my part, but also the potential upset on other people's.
3: Part. Growing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I find this that, that similar. That's a really good uh, thing. It's like, um, yeah, you can kind of look towards what's going to happen when you when you say stuff. And kind of realise that, it, yeah, sometimes it isn't worth it. You know, don't talk about politics with your family and stuff like that. When you're know, when you younger, you're just like ramming your opinions down their throat.
0: Because
3: <laughs> yeah. you were right and they were wrong.
0: <laughs> and they still are, but it's just like you can't be asked, asked to try and change their minds. It's easy to just be like, uh-huh, well, that's nice. Yeah. So one of the references that I'm going to put down to this podcast, and if you haven't watched it, it's fundamental viewing is fleabag because to me when I was kind of like you know delving into the world of authenticity I was just kept thinking about fleabag because there are those moments where you know she looks to the camera you know she's seeing stuff she's seeing people's bullshit and there are various times where she's just like not being authentic to what's going on inside but she knows she's not do you know what I mean she's completely doing the kind of like authentic inauthenticity um, and authenticity thing and Oh, go on. Well, a okay, real- and, then, and then there's great other times <laughs> like, in season, I know it off my heart, you know, episode one, season two, where shit really hits the fan and she is authentic and you kind of see the fallout of that. Um, or you can say, Liz?
4: I, gonna, I, was, I, I don't want to kind of be too send it off in the wrong direction. And I think it's probably worth doing another podcast on this. But, you know, the, the theatre director Bertolt Brecht, who was a kind of, you know, quite well-known kind of German um, theatre director um, you know created a style of theatre whereby the audience knew that they were watching a play. Um, It was called The Fourth Wall and so like that thing that Fleabag does is jars the viewer so they're not sucked into it like oh this is like real life like a soap opera. There are moments where the people watching it realise they're watching something. And that's what theory does. That's what psychological theory does. It's like there are moments that give you that distance. So Bertolt Brecht kind of would do these kind of you know avant-garde play type things, and it like there would be moments where the audience. It wasn't just like they were being told a story because that just numbs people, and that's that comes back to your idea of people sleepwalking through life.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know for for Bertolt Brecht theatre had to be challenging and people had to engage with the fact they were watching something being performed because that gave people an overview and a way of understanding things that was really for him was really politically important so Fleabag does exact copies all those techniques so like that's why it's so brilliant because it's like the audience are in on the joke as well yeah And they're seeing things beyond what they'd see if they were just watching it like it was, you know, I don't know, EastEnders or whatever. I mean, even like Line of Duty or whatever, all those things just suck you in. Yeah. So Fleabag's great. It's a really good example of actually developing a way of understanding authenticity.
2: Mm hmm. I just love the way that you managed to tie in cinema, uh, theatre, Fleabag Mm. and psychology all in one. Mm. I was like, that was a great summary, Liz. There we go.
0: Fleabag needs to be one of our matrons. Mm. What's the other thing I was going to say? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be really good to do another podcast on this because we haven't gone anywhere near existentialism. Mm. We haven't talked about death. We haven't talked about their kind of like, in, uh, the, you know their understanding of the importance of like facing your death, and that as being the spur to make you live an authentic life, or to help motivate you to live an authentic life. So, just giving massive teasers for um, some.
4: We talk about death every day. I don't know what what's happened to us today. I <laughs> on um, I mean, that's the ultimate authenticity, isn't it? <laughs> it's like you're going to die. Um, yeah. Which is
0: the whole reason for kind of doing this thing in the light of COVID. Like, yeah, like, people have lost people. Um, People may have come close to it, you know, whatever. Like, I think that we are watching the news and seeing death counts every single day, so...
4: Interestingly, still, there are people going, oh, it's fine. It's, you know, like, uh, which is a great kind of example of denial as well. It's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not a
0: problem.
2: Only if
4: you're old, you'll die. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cognitive dissonance. It's all coming together. Okay, so yeah, watch feedback, um, read the handouts, come back for more, and uh see you all next time. Good stuff. Bye.
4: Bye. Bye.